You're listening to The Rant. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. You're listening. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. You fucking crazy man. You sound insane. Do you realize that? To the, to the rant. I speak jive. Oh, good. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for 10 damn years. Ain't I been saying it, Miguel? Huh? I've been saying it. You are listening to The Rant with David King. everyone welcome to the rant i'm your host david king it's good to be here with you today on this special episode of the walking dead special part one of 11 thank you for joining me sorry for being away for for a while it's been <clears throat> pretty hectic but wanted to get this in i decided to watch um season one again i actually have never watched season one from episode one through six of the walking dead uh from start to finish like you start on episode one and you go all the way to six i've never did that aside from the first time seeing it i never did it for a second time um I just never did. It was kind of weird. As much as I, I love that show, I never like started over and started watching it again. Um, I will say I stopped watching the show probably, if I had to guess, I think it was like season six or seven was when I stopped watching uh, The Walking Dead. So, but anyway, I decided to watch... I'm like, you know what? Don't really have too many shows that I'm enjoying right now. Um, I'm wrapping up Peaky Blinders, which I'll do a review on that. Um, watching The Crown again with the wife, which is pretty cool. We just started that yesterday. Um, but like I finished, we watched Terminal List and I, I finished that. And, you know, Reacher, I finished that. It's like there's not a whole lot that's jumping out at me. But now that I have Netflix again, that might change. But I decided, I'm like, you know what? Saw the article that said that The Walking Dead is wrapping up with the series finale. Um, And I thought, you know what? Uh, I stopped watching it because I kind of was getting maybe, I don't know, maybe I was just a little tired of it. I don't know. It was the, the, I do remember not really enjoying it there in the end. When I stopped watching, I thought the show was starting to go downhill. So I'm going to, start from season one and I'm going to work my way through. And after watching season one, I'm like, man, I forgot just how good 
this show is. Um, and I, I was just thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? I think I might want to do a podcast on it. It'd be a great topic. Um, I love talking about movies and TV shows on here. Um, I like reviewing them. I like talking about how they could be better or how they could have, or, or if they were already really great. So that's what I plan on doing here. Uh, this could be special 11 part series. So, um, you know, and there, there's something to be said about the series, the walking dead, you know, you can say what you want about the later seasons, but it's hard to argue that it had a profound effect effect on, on viewers, on potential viewers, people who watch TV. Um, I mean, just think about that for a moment, uh, a genre about zombies, right? You don't typically think about zombies being something for everyone. Certainly not something great. Uh, they, they, these genres about zombies that do not typically blow up into a giant success, you know, viewed and loved by all it's, it's very niche. Generally it's a small cult following. Think of things like Dawn of the dead or night of the living dead, George A. Romero movies. Those are all really good movies to me. I love Romero movies, but not everybody does. And most people generally won't flock to that. Um, you know, some of the best zombie themed movies ever made typically don't appeal to the masses. And yet, if you asked a 40 plus year old woman, if she was interested in seeing one of them, she would likely say no to you, (laughs) but maybe not now, right? At least not prior to the walking dead, the walking dead did something. No other sci-fi zombie horror flick has really been able to do. And that's attract a wider audience of all ages, you know, sex backgrounds, different types of people. No longer were zombie flicks something for that nerdy brother of yours or cousin with all the comic books. You know, it's, it's not a niche thing. This was for everyone and everyone loved it when the season first came out. So for the next several weeks, I'm going to break down each season and talk about why that is. Each part will be for each season. So part one tonight is going over season one. And probably, in my opinion, season one is the best season of them all. And after rewatching it uh, from start to finish, it's easy to see why this show really became a, a huge hit. You know, in today's world of television and movies, it's hard to find something that isn't pushing some sort of an agenda or trying to check all the boxes for inclusiveness, you know, forcing characters or dialogue on us that doesn't really fit within the plot or simply just muddies it up at best. But The Walking Dead Season 1, nope, not at all. Created just before the fall of man, safe from the checklists and must-have characters and political messaging and undertones that seem to be ruining Hollywood as we speak. But you're probably saying, Dave, certainly there must be a bigger reason to why this show is a hit besides your ridiculous rants about politics, and you'd be right. There is. Season one starts off just prior to the zombie apocalypse with our main character, Rick Grimes and his friend Shane. They're both police officers on duty and they respond to a call. Uh, That call turns into a, into pretty much a nightmare for Rick, the main character as he is shot. And then he is taken to the hospital. Uh, And he event where, where eventually he'll wake up from what I can only understand is a small coma. 
uh, maybe a medically induced coma. I'm not really too sure, but he goes to sleep. He's, he's kind of in and out unconscious while he's in the hospital. But when he wakes, the world has come to an end. This is the first home run for the series as far as I'm concerned. Um, as it was able to take its time here and allow us to really understand and relate with the feelings of the main character in this moment. Imagine if you woke up from being shot in a hospital to find dead people everywhere. No one's around. The place is dark and ransacked. It smells awful. And not only that, not only are there dead people everywhere, some of them are up walking around. Um, you could imagine the horror that would wash over you. Like you're in like some sort of bad dream and just want to wake up, but can't, you know, we have all had those bad dreams where you're in it. You just, you're terrified and you wake up and you go, Oh, Oh my gosh. Thank God. That was a dream. Um, you feel like that, but this is, this isn't, this is reality. And so I love the pacing of the first episode because it really was, it was slow and methodical, but it didn't feel slow, but it allowed us to kind of soak in the atmosphere, really understand where the character is coming from, relate with that character, generate our own feelings based off of what was happening, kind of try to relate. And we found it, in my opinion, I found it very easy to relate to what Rick was going through in that moment, um, simply because of how he was acting, the way it was written and the way it was playing out. It really allowed us time to like think about, wow, could you imagine waking up into this world? What would you do? And from here, Rick is all alone. He's wandering the streets trying to figure things out until he meets a father and a son. Um, thankfully, they'll, they help him kind of piece together what's going on and get him on track uh, to set off and find his, his wife and son, Rick's wife and son. Eventually, um, he finds them by sheer luck. And, and yes, you could say that, you know, what are the odds and kind of roll your eyes. But I can let this pass as it was well written, um, not too over the top. Uh, to assume that it could ha- could not happen. I mean, sure, the, it's very unlikely that if you were to travel to Atlanta in the post-apocalyptic world, the odds of you running in and finding your family are probably pretty low. Um, but nonetheless, he does. And, and I think they did it in a pretty clever way where it didn't seem kind of cheesy, in my opinion. When he finally meets up with his family... Reunited, it's all happy-go-lucky. Everything's great. Oh, we're happy. Everyone's hugging and happiness for now. But there's an immense amount of issues that are at hand. I mean, you know, group, group, and like the group and their safety. The fact that you know they left the man behind in the city at this point. Um, Merle was left behind in the city. You know, Rick's wife thought he was dead, so she was sleeping around with his best friend Shane that we saw earlier in that season. Um, and then eventually their camp will be overrun and they'll need to figure out where a safe place to go would be. And so they decide ultimately to go to the CDC because it's the, most people don't know this. So the walking dead is based in Georgia, in Atlanta. That's the scene. That's the setting. And the CDC is, um, the, the main hub for the CDC is in Atlanta. So they think, well, Hey, if anybody's going to have answers, let's go there. And that's logical, right? You think, well, you know, we, we need to go somewhere. We can't sit out here in the middle of nowhere uh, and try to survive. We need answers. And maybe there's, maybe if we go to CDC, they're, they're getting this thing figured out. And maybe there's a camp where we'll be safe. It's a logical thing for people to do is to try to find some sort of government, some sort of organization that's going to make things normal again. 
That's the beauty of this show, and I'll touch on it here later, which is nobody's really changed who they are beyond the pre-pandemic. These folks are all clinging on to this will eventually come to an end and life will come back to normal. Uh, so they set off to the CDC. That leads to a horrific dead end that almost ends all of their lives. The doctor in there is all alone. No one's in there trying to figure this out. What he was trying to do was all destroyed. He can't. He has no explanation as how to. to he has no explanation to cure it. He knows how it works, but they don't know how to cure it. And of course, they're running out of power, which means the CDC is going to basically self-destruct because there's a lot of really bad diseases and things trapped in that building, and they don't want it getting out. So it has a failsafe. And it could have almost killed them all, but they managed to escape and drive off into the sunset. And that's a pretty quick and rough rundown of the first season. And if I stopped here, it certainly would not do justice to it whatsoever. Um, But that's like a quick synopsis of how the season goes down. Um, You know, the reason why this show was so great, and I think the reason why it attracted so many fans was because it was written, it was not written like your typical sci-fi zombie flick. This is the biggest point in my, in, 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 you know, this is the biggest reason why it was so successful. It's not your standard run of the mill sci-fi show, sci-fi zombie, sci-fi alien, sci-fi, anything. You think about that. There tends to be a level of cheesiness or some sort of silliness with it. It's also usually some bad acting, bad dialogue, uh, but not with this. Um, everything about this show felt very believable. You know, everything about the season felt like it could be real, that it could actually happen. You know, if it did, this this felt very much how you would expect maybe the timeline of events to occur. You know, from the medical explanations from the doctor at the CDC, felt very realistic. He was comparing it to other diseases and how they were showing how it worked. Uh, got down into little details, which I thought was really cool. Uh, to the way that the government and the people in general reacted to the event pre-leading up to it and post. Um, everything felt very, very believable. And I think that really helped. It wasn't silly or poorly written. It was written in such a way where you were, it felt like you were watching a documentary on something that could have actually happened. And and not to mention the characters. This is the biggest, this is the second biggest thing. The characters in this season are so well written, so well done. I, I truly believe this this season is a masterclass on how to create characters inside of this world. When you want to do characters, if you're doing a group of people that have to interact with one another, this is the best example of how to do it. You know, and and I think the reason for me is there's no superheroes here. There's no, no one's that smarter than any, than any, than, um, excuse me, no one that is smarter than everyone else. And, you know, it just graded everything that we see so often in, in more modern film. There always seems to be that one character that just knows everything and has the solution. Um, even the leader and main character, Rick, isn't a genius. And he doesn't always have an answer to every problem. In fact, he's the perfect example of a well-written character thrusted into a leadership position in a world he has no idea how to navigate any better than really the rest of the group. And you see him struggle with this throughout the season. It's absolutely well-executed, depending on the situation in the scene. He, he, the, this is great because he's a leader. Rick is a leader. However, he is no better off really than anyone else in terms of knowledge or expertise. And it, and it really plays out well. 
Each character in this show is well thought out, has their own personality, set of morality, and nuances, and I love that. They are all different, but yet interact perfectly with one another. At any moment, a character could switch from an antagonist position to a protagonist, and that is a sign of good writing. These characters can literally move around like chess pieces throughout this plot and be something different, however, not deviating from their character traits. We see this too where you have a lot of times with legacy characters when they're brought back into the film. See this with Kenobi. I know I use Kenobi as a huge example a lot, but it's so true. You have a legacy character. That character has attributes. They have a personality. They have their own set of morals. And, and they there's, there's things that there is a way that they will react in a certain situation based off what we know about that character and how that character's acted in previous situations. These characters in this show, in The Walking Dead, they really don't deviate from their sets of morality and their personality. But what they can do is because of those ideals or ideas or what they're they're built on it can clash with other characters it can make them the protagonist versus the antagonist or vice versa it can move them around and make it very interesting and make it for a very dynamic um scene you know in in dialogue between the characters where you're sitting there going huh you know what's going to happen next how's this going to play out you know, you find yourself relating to certain characters because they all seem like real people you would encounter in this sort of situation. That's another beautiful thing about these characters that they've written into the show. They're not athletes. They're not superhuman who can survive anything, which we see all the time with action flicks where it seems like they can just barely miss or dodge this or that. It's like, good Lord, nobody could, you know, nobody's going to survive that in reality. It's like 2012, as a perfect example of that, where they're, they're always narrowly just, you know, uh, dodging death, you know, it's like any normal human being would have been dead long ago in this movie, but it's not like that. These are normal everyday people. Uh, they feel that way. They seem like someone who could be your neighbor or your friend. These don't seem like unusual, you know, quirky characters that were, you know, that you're, more, maybe more or less used to seeing in some in, in film. I, I truly believe that this is probably some of the best character design I've ever seen in a TV show. Uh, each character felt important. Uh, so you never really knew who could be a victim or a savior. Uh, at any moment you catch yourself wondering if Rick would remain the leader or, uh, or even alive for that matter. You never knew Rick always never felt like a safe character. You know, you see this so often that's another sign of really good storytelling is when you never know what characters are going to be safe, even characters that we perceive as the main character, because it's just been written that way. Obviously Rick is the main character, but you never really thought Rick was safe at any moment. You thought, well, any one of these characters could be killed off. And that leads to, that leaves a level of suspense. Now, if you read the comic books, you'd know that Rick doesn't die in the first season or any season. He's the main character and fair enough. But the way they read it, written it, it did feel like at any moment, you never know, you know? And so that I, I appreciate that, um, quite a bit. Um, this is, this is the backbone to a good show. And, and the, and I think the biggest reason why it was a hit, there was something for everyone with this group of, of survivors, you know, paired with the seriousness and realistic approach of the writing of this plot, this world that we're in, this was a drama everyone could get locked in on. You know, without a doubt, characters 
would take a back seat though if the story was not as well written as they as they were. That certainly could have been a problem. There's plenty of good movies out there that have great characters but a bad story or bad plot. And you just kind of go, Ugh, you roll your eyes. Or vice versa, it could be a good story and really bad characters. And so, <clears throat> and I think really, this is where the first season to me really shines the most beyond just the character development. On the surface, it's it's not very complicated. It's just a story of people trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. It's a group of people in Atlanta trying to survive. So on the surface, it's not a very complicated story. It's what happens kind of in between all that, which makes the season so great. You know, this entire first season is just about, you know, regular people, you like you and I, trying to collect themselves and figure out what to do when the world has ended. You can imagine what that would be like if you were in that position. That's one of the reasons why these characters are so relatable because they're normal people like you and I, and we can sit there and really break down their feelings, understand it and relate and go, man, what would I, how would I feel about this situation or what would I do in this world? If I were, the, if, if I were them, it leads to really good debates after the shows are over and you can all look at it. You know, you can look at your wife, or your friends, or whoever you're watching with and go, man, I don't know. Would you have done that? Would you, you know, would you have acted that way? But that's the beauty. It's it's so good. It's good. Um, no one here in the show has a clear plan because there there just isn't one. No signs on where to go. And every time they think they may have the right idea, their world kind of shows otherwise. It kind of laughs at them. They kind of come up with a plan. They're going to go to the CDC. Oh, that doesn't work out. Uh, you'll find out in season two they're going to go to Fort Benning. And you see how that'll work out. We'll talk about that. Wrapping up season two as we speak. The conflicts within the groups feel very real where people are still acting. I, I spoke about this earlier. The people are still acting like themselves pre pandemic. And this is kind of interesting too, because if we think about, think about who you were, think about who you are now and how you act. And then think about how you were before 2020. You're not the same person. Even if you're someone like me, who really never saw this pandemic in 2020 as being as serious as everyone made it out to be. It still changed the way I think and the way I view things and the way I move about this world. And it certainly probably changed you as well. And so you have to ask yourself, you know, where, you know, these, these folks here are still acting very much the way they would pre pandemic. It's as if eventually this whole thing will come to an end. This nightmare will end and they can go back to their, you know, to their lattes or in this case for Murrow, his racism. And believe me, the show pulls no punches there. Believe me. It's not until the final episode. It's a little nuance, but you can see it. It's not until the final episode where you start to see some of the behavior changes when the bad news from that CDC doctor, Dr. Owen is given to them. You start to see a shift and how people start to act. You start to see it more in season two, and we'll touch on that, but you'll see it. You'll see the way they, their body language, and some people make a choice. People start making decisions based off of that bad news. You know, it takes a huge toll on the psyche of those characters, but that is what's, you know, that's what is great about it is it's different with each character, but it aligns with their personality, like I spoke of earlier. So, each one reacts differently to the news, takes a huge toll on them, but each one reacts differently, but generally in line with their personality. 
nothing is off or unusual for them like you see in other really bad movies, like when characters act or say something out of character. Not here. In fact, not ever in this season. And I love that. And the gore and the zombies certainly didn't hurt. You could tell in the first season uh, they spent most of their budget on special effects uh, more than anything else. It was a very simplistic shot show. It was essentially one location, uh, two locations, really. There was a small part of the city where they, they shot in, and then they were at the quarry. I think this kept the budget at a very reasonable level. And I think it was a smart play to focus more on the special effects. Um, the zombies looked very real, very believable, uh, very scary. Um, they could have easily gone light on the effects, and I think it would have hurt the show overall. Uh, could have made the zombies a little goofier, laughable, versus as terrifying as they actually are. So I'm glad that they really focus on In fact, I think The Walking Dead, in so many ways, really kind of set the... They kind of went a little bit above and beyond with the gore because they were showing things that you just wouldn't typically see in normal television. Like in movies, yes. You know, it's it's not unusual to see a guy like ripped in half, crawling on the ground with his gut spilling out on a, in a movie. You know, it, it is kind of like, whoa, that's a lot to look at. But you never really see that on TV because TV is, it's a little harder to restrict. Um, TVs always seem to have more restrictions in terms of language, what you could see, what you couldn't see. But The Walking Dead, man, they, they really went all out. I mean, the first, one of the first zombies that Rick encounters in the first season is a woman where there is nothing but her torso up and she's crawling there and she's just real good and eaten and rotten. And it was like, I remember the first time seeing that and it was like, a, it was a shock factor, but I remember seeing her, that, that, that zombie female crawling across the ground. And I thought to myself like, Oh, this show's serious. Like the, this show is, that is really well done. Um, I was sitting in my barracks room. I was in the Marine Corps when I first saw this season and I knew right away, like, no, this is going to be a good show because they went above and beyond to do that special effect. That takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it looks so good. It looks so real. You just, I just knew from there on out, like, yep, nope, this is going to be a good show. And it's crazy how you can kind of, because it could have easily gone the other way. I've seen plenty of TV shows, especially sci-fi shows, because they tend to have a lot of special effects, but they don't have the budget. But I think they, they just the way they filmed it, like I said, they only had really two locations. They're very simple, very simple locations. It's a quarry with some tents and some vehicles, not a whole lot going on. And they, they just, they, they executed it so well in terms of that and, and the way they made these zombies look. And then of course, like I said before, the writing, the character design, everything about it was spot on. Uh, the first season was definitely a pilot season. Uh, for this production company, there was no doubt about it because it only had six episodes, but they nailed it. I mean, just absolutely nailed it. I can't say enough more positive things about the first season of The Walking Dead, which would eventually lead them to have 11 seasons, and we will touch on all those. 
loads of merchandise, landmarks all over Georgia that folks would visit and go go look at, myself included. I remember making special road trips with my wife and my step or my brother-in-law. Sorry, not stepbrother, brother-in-law. We would go and travel and go see all the locations. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, season this season one is an excellent example of great writing, great pace, and allowing the viewers to think for themselves. This is the biggest thing I want to touch on. It allows the viewers to generate thoughts and opinions of characters on their own and not be forced into a feeling or thinking of a character a certain way about anything or a situation. How I reacted to a scene could be very different from how my wife reacts to it, and the show allows us to react differently. This is the sum of good storytelling. Treating your audience like they're intelligent and not like they're idiots. This show allows you to think for yourself. And season one of The Walking Dead is pure perfection. And I recommend you check it out if you haven't. If you haven't seen The Walking Dead season one, I would be very surprised. Because it's been out for a very long time. This is nothing new. This show's debuted um, 2010. 31st of October 2010. So you can understand. It's been out for a while. But if it's something that you thought about getting around to and watching... I strongly recommend it. It holds up great, even in 2022, uh, over a decade later. (laughs) uh, It still holds up great, looks great, characters are great. There is a little bit of, I will say some of the acting might be a little subpar in the first few episodes. It's almost like these actors were warming up to their characters and getting into the feel of things. That goes away really quickly, though, and it's all really well done. Um. I strongly recommend it. And on that note, we will be doing uh, another episode. It's part two. We're going to be going over uh, season two of The Walking Dead. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, probably going to do that one next week. I uh, don't know what day because I am still doing my addition on my home. And unfortunately, I'm the only one doing it. So I'm very tired at the end of the night. And I don't generally feel like talking into a microphone. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I want to know what you think about The Walking Dead. Have you seen it? What did you think of the first season? If you can even remember, it might have been a while since you watched it. I would strongly recommend going back and watching it again for a second time. Do that. Binge it. It's only six episodes. And then hit me up. DavidKing.TheRant at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know what you think of the show. Or you can hit me up on Twitter. Hit me on Facebook, The Rant with David King. Twitter at The Real DM King. That's Delta Mike King, The Real DM King on Twitter. You can let me know your thoughts there. Do not spoil episode 11 for me. I'll be very, very, or season 11, excuse me. I'll be very, very upset if you did. And on that note, folks, I thank you so much, and I hope you have a great evening. We'll catch you again soon. Thank you, and goodbye.